All right. Good morning, Ridge Point Church. Uh, if you're relatively new around here, my name is Chris Neff. I'm one of the staff members here, and really excited for JJ and Beth. Uh, as since two, my two boys are actually two of those 21 uh, that they were talking about, uh, I'm really excited for them. You guys certainly be praying for them. And as uh, things kind of progress, as we know, I know a lot of you are going to want to do something, and we'll let you know about that when those opportunities come up. So. Uh, but certainly be praying for them. Uh, speaking of my boys, um, a couple weeks ago, we were actually moving some furniture around in our house. And uh, the reason that we were doing that is because uh, my youngest son, Benjamin, just turned two. And we were actually kind of transitioning him from his crib into what he calls his big boy bed, okay? So we're moving stuff around, and <clears throat> the, the crib actually was in one location in his bedroom, and the bed wouldn't actually fit there, so we had to kind of move it into another area of the bedroom. And it was kind of weird because you know, the first morning that I went in to get him out of his bed, he acted a little different than what he normally does. Like normally, he's in his crib, he's standing up there, and he's ready for you to come in, and he's excited, he wants to see who's there, probably jumping up and down. That was part of the reason we had to do away with the crib, because he was using it like a WWF ring. And... Uh, but I come into the room that morning, and he's actually sitting in the middle of his bed. It's just a regular single bed. And he's sitting in the middle of it, and he's staring at the wall. And I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. So I kind of made a couple steps toward him, and I noticed that he was, all of a sudden, he started laughing and kind of smiling, and, but he's still staring at the wall. And so I finally get over to where he is in the bed, and I realized that, He's not staring at the wall. There's a vanity in his room, and he's looking at himself in the mirror, okay? Just enjoying himself. You know, he likes to look at himself in the mirror. Our other son does as well. And I'm informed by my wife that I like to do the same, that I spend a little too much time there. Now, it's confession time, so you guys tell me, how many of you like to spend a little bit of time in front of the mirror? I mean, you could tell me, come on, it's church, be honest, okay? How many of you don't like to do that? Okay? All right, all right. So, anyway, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you have a mirror and you're looking at yourself in it, and you're looking at that reflection, that reflection is not a complete representation of who you are. Now, you're probably saying, well, wait a minute, Chris, you just got a little mirror there, so all you can really see is your face if you hold it the right way. What if you had like a full-length mirror? Well, even if I had a full-length mirror and I'm standing in front of it, that's not a complete representation of who I am. That reflection is not. Because it shows the front of me, but it doesn't show the back. And maybe I could, you know, I could get this little mirror and I could do this. And maybe I could kind of figure out a way to show more of myself. But it's still only a partial representation of who I am. And that's just physically if you take it even further, it, it definitely doesn't show who I am on the inside. It's a partial representation. It's not a complete model of who we are or not a complete image of who we are. So when you look at a reflection, it's only a partial representation. And just like in that reflection of that mirror, we're only seeing a partial representation for us, we actually are a reflection of God. We are a partial representation of who God is. We're a reflection of him, 
but only partially. There are some characteristics that God has given us that make him like him, but we're not a complete representation of who he is. Now, our goal today is not to talk about all the different ways that we're like God or all the, different, all the ways that we're different from God. Our goal is to kind of focus in on one thing, talk about one item where we are like God and what that has to do with the church. Because if you're joining us today for the first time, we're in the series we started last week called Bought In. And the whole idea behind Bought In is that it's all about the church. It's about the, kind of the church globally, what the church looks like. But then more importantly, as we move into today and in the coming weeks, what the church looks like for us as individuals, what it means to be a part of the local church and what, what our role is in the local church. And then last week, JJ kicked it all off. We talked about really kind of like the global perspective of what we mean by the church and what that looks like. And we talked about a couple things. One thing was we talked about how in Scripture that the church is often compared to or kind of the metaphor that we see there is that the church is the bride of Christ. And some of you probably have friends who would say, you know what? I really like Jesus. I love Jesus and I want to follow Jesus, but I don't really like the church. I, in fact, I, to the point that I hate the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I can do, I can follow Jesus, but without the church. But if you think about it, you know, JJ kind of explained it this way and it had never clicked for me this way, but JJ's explanation was this. Now think about that. What if you were to say to JJ, Say, JJ, I love you, but I don't like Beth, your wife. That would be like the same thing as saying, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your church. And, you know, that kind of makes sense to me. It makes sense that, you know, and granted, the church has done a lot of things to deserve that, um, to deserve that idea that people don't like the church. We've done things when we don't let Jesus be the head of the church, when we don't let him be the bridegroom, then, you know, we do some things that cause people not to like the church. But the church is the bride of Christ. And so as we love Jesus, we should love the church. And then we went on and we talked about the idea of kind of where the church, like, like the, the foundation of the church And we looked at a passage in Matthew where Jesus was talking with his disciples and he said, who do people say that I am? And his disciples kind of speak up and they say, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say you're Jeremiah, you know, maybe some other prophet. And Jesus says, okay, that's fine. But who do you say that I am? And his disciple, Peter, who's kind of the most outspoken of the bunch, he speaks up and he says this. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says something very interesting to that. He says, very good, Peter, on that rock, I am going to build my church. Now, you know, people say, well, Peter means rock. Well, that's not what he was talking about. He wasn't saying, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. He was saying, I'm going to build my church on that statement that you just made, that profession of faith that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm going to build my church on that profession of faith. And I am going to make sure that the gates of hell will not prevail 
against the church. In other words, I love the church so much. The church is my bride. I'm going to do everything that I can to protect her. And we kind of went on and we kind of concluded this way. And I think I I bring this idea up because I think this is the idea that you're going to kind of see throughout the rest of the series is this, that when I try to grow, when I try to grow spiritually without the church, when I kind of push the church to the the side and say, you know what, I'm going to go hole up in a cabin somewhere and I'm going to grow by myself without the church, that what happens is we cap our potential and we limit our effectiveness. In other words, we're not going to grow as much if we go off by ourselves. And, you know, in fact, if we stay there long enough, we might end up, you know, Ted Kaczynski, Unabomber stuff, okay? But if we, you know, we can't do that, we have to do it with the church. That's going to expand our potential. And if we do it without the church, we're going to limit our effectiveness. Now, we're going to get into this more next week, but God's gifted us with all kinds of different talents. You know, as followers of Christ, We've been gifted with so much stuff and we have to play out that role. We have to be, we have to take those talents and use them within the church so that we can together, we can be more effective. So as you kind of think through that and think through, you know, what does that look like? I kind of, I'm I'm reminded a little bit, I I kind of think back to... um, what it was like to be in middle school. Now, Michael already brought this up a little bit earlier, but think back to middle school. Now, for some of you, that was like 10 years ago. For some of you, maybe that was 50 years ago, okay? <clears throat> for me, I, I don't know. I, I was gonna sit down and figure it out, but it was a little scary for me. So, But think about what it was like to be in middle school. And if you blocked out middle school, maybe think about high school. And think about what it was like to try to belong in that setting. And we would do all kinds of things to try to belong, okay? We would, maybe we would wear certain clothes. You know, for me, middle school, that was parachute pants, okay? You know, those kind of silky pants, and they had the zippers in them and stuff, and you could put all kinds of stuff in them. Or maybe it was, you wear your hair a certain way, okay? I know this might be hard to believe, but in the high school, I had the mullet, you know? It was nice and long, had a comb in my back pocket, I would comb it out, you know? That was a cool thing to do, Okay? But we would do whatever we could to try to belong, to fit in, to be part of, to have the relationships that we wanted with the people that were the in crowd. You know, maybe we joined a certain sport or a certain club or whatever because we wanted those relationships. Or maybe, you know, maybe for you now that you're kind of, you know, you're beyond school and you're, you're kind of, you're in the adult world here and you're doing your thing and you're doing your career and maybe that's kind of behind you. But maybe it's not. You know, maybe you're in a big company and, you know, there's certain areas of the company where there's certain jobs that people do that, you know, everybody likes that job better than whatever else it is that the rest of the company does. And, and so you want to be a part of that group. And so you do things to try to build relationships with those people. You know, maybe you talk a certain way around them or you tell certain jokes to them that you wouldn't normally tell. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's your family. You know, maybe you were born into a family where you kind of really struggled to kind of build good, strong relationships with your family, and it was kind of dysfunctional. And maybe now today you don't even really have any kind of relationship with them. 
But yet you know people that have these wonderful families, these great families who always get together and they just, you know, when they seem together, they just enjoy each other and they love each other and they take care of each other. And you want that. You want to have those kinds of relationships in your life. Or maybe it's your romantic relationships. You know, maybe, you know, you know people that have these great marriages and they love each other and they take care of each other and the longer they're together, they seem to kind of grow in their love for each other. But yet you have kind of gone through relationship after relationship after relationship. But you desire that. You want to have that kind of relationship, that kind of strength to kind of bolster you up. Now, I'm not telling you all of these things to want you to make you feel bad about yourself because that's not the intent. In fact, my intent is to tell you this. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to desire to want to have relationships with other people because that's the way that we're a reflection of God. That's the thing that we're going to talk about today is this idea that we reflect God when we enter into relationships with each other. Because God exists in relationship. He wants to have a relationship with us, but he also himself exists in relationship. In fact, let me say it this way. We long to belong because we're a reflection of God's interconnection. We long to belong because we're a reflection of God's interconnection. Now, we've kind of unpacked some of that so far. We talked about that we're a reflection of God, that we're only a partial representation of him. And we've talked about that we do want to long, we long to belong, we want to be part of groups, we want to be part of relationships. But it's that last part that, you know, we're kind of like God's interconnection. Like, what does he mean? Like, did he make that word up? You know, what, what, what does that mean? And that's where we have to turn to scripture and look at what scripture says about it. Now, I as I was kind of getting ready and studying all this, I kind of think of the scripture that we're about to read, I don't necessarily think of it as a scripture about the church, okay? If I were gonna, you know, go normally prepare a message about the church, I wouldn't normally think that this is where I would start. But we're actually gonna look in at a passage in Genesis, at the very beginning of the Bible. So if you've got your Bible with you, you wanna go ahead and look that up, we're gonna be in the book of Genesis, and the passages that we're going to read are actually related to the creation, okay? The idea, for those of you, maybe, you know, maybe you're kind of new to all of this, but our belief is that God created the heavens and the earth and that he created us, that we are created in his image. And I know, you know, in kind of a setting like this where we've tried to kind of, we try to encourage people to come and ask questions and, you know, be skeptical if you want to be skeptical, and so for some of you right now, you're going, uh, that whole creation thing, that's part of my struggle with this Christianity thing. So maybe I just need to turn this guy off now. I'd encourage you not to do that, okay? Go ahead, be skeptical. That's fine. I was skeptical for a long time. I struggled with this for a long time myself. But I'd encourage you to continue to listen because I think what we're talking about here, the idea behind these relationships, I think there's gonna be something that you're gonna be able to take away from this even if you don't totally buy into this idea that God created everything. So we're in Genesis, and 
I want to give you just a little bit of background before we look at the verse that we're going to look at. We're actually going to, uh, we're going to be in verse 26. And up to this point, and I'm not going to go through every single thing, but <clears throat> up to this point in the passage, we see day one, God created the heavens and the earth. Day two, God created this. Day three, God created that. And each day, at the end of the day, we see this statement. God created this or whatever or that, and it was good. So the statement was made each time. God created this, it was good. God created that, it was good. And now here we are, we're on day six. And God's created the animals, and now he's going to create man. And he says this, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, <coughs> excuse me, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. So God's created all of this stuff up to day six. And then in day six, he's going to create man. Now, in this part, in this passage, it talks about him creating man and woman. He's creating them in his image and so forth. As we move forward into chapter two, the the writer comes back and kind of revisits this. This is all written down by Moses later on. And he comes back and revisits it. And he says, he kind of talks about creation and slows it down a little bit and talks about kind of the individual creation of man and then of woman. But in this, when he says he creates man and woman, it is good. Okay, in fact, it says it is very good. So, at this point, you're probably thinking, okay, maybe I, you know, I get that. I get that God created us, but what does that have to do with God's interconnection? If you look back at verse 26, verse 26 says this. It says, then God said, let us... Make man in our image, after our likeness. So, at this point, you're kind of thinking, okay, I get, you know, here's God. We, you know, if you you believe what we believe, then you believe that God, there's only one God, that he's monotheistic, that we, we believe in one God. But why, in this passage, does it say, let us make man in our image after our likeness? I mean, is that a typo? Why does he use a plural pronoun? Now, there's a lot of different explanations. If you go studying it, there's a lot of explanations. But I think that Scripture points to this. I think Scripture points to the idea that God, yes, does exist as one God, but there are kind of three, whatever term you want to use, three persons within God, three manifestations within God, but we call him God the Father, God the Son, or Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not my goal, you know, theologically we call that the Trinity, okay? God, one God, existing in three forms, three persons, each having kind of a different role in that. It is not my goal to explain the Trinity to you today, okay? We'll be here, we'd be here a lot longer, and I still wouldn't get it right, okay? But let's, for our purposes, let's say we understand that God exists as those three persons, God the Father, God the Son, 
God the Holy Spirit. So, if we accept that, then God is interconnected. He exists in relationship with himself. He exists within that relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each having their own role in that. So I, we long to belong because we're a reflection of God's interconnection. So God exists within relationships. So what does that mean for us? What it, I mean, what, it, what does that look like for us? Well, there's another passage that I think is kind of pertinent here. If you go on into chapter two, and it slows down this idea of, you know, the creation of man and woman, kind of nestled in the middle of all that, we see this verse. This is actually chapter two, Genesis chapter two, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now remember, I explained before that all throughout this, this creation story, each day, at the end of the day, it says it, is, it was good. Whatever it is that God created, it was good. When he got to man, it was very good. But when we slow down and we look at kind of the details of the creation of man and woman separately, we see this. When man is created and he's by himself, God says it wasn't good. He was alone. In other words, God recognized, he, God created us to exist in relationship. And so he wanted to give us that human relationship that we were created to have. And so he creates woman to be a helper for him. Now, if things kept going the way that God had created them, the way that God intended, God wants to have relationship. He exists in relationship but he created us because he wants a relationship with us. And if things had continued the way that they were going, we would be sitting here today and we would have this tremendous relationship with God. This tremendous relationship that we can't probably even begin to imagine what it would be like to live in this kind of fellowship with God, to exist in this relationship and how close we would be to him if things had continued the way that God intended, the way that God created us. And we would sit here today and we couldn't probably even comprehend the human relationships, how great they would be and how, just how tremendous they would be and how close and um, vulnerable and authentic that we would be with each other. Because if we existed in those kinds of relationships that God intended, we would want to have relationships but we wouldn't necessarily need to have relationships. That's what God, that's how God exists in this. God wants to have a relationship with us, but he doesn't need to have a relationship with us. But if you keep reading in chapter three, things begin to fall apart. Adam and Eve, who God created, they sin. And then all of a sudden, relationships begin to be a very distorted reflection of what God had intended. And you then you read the story of Cain and Abel, and then you begin to read all of the stuff, all the relationships and how they begin to disintegrate and how they begin to cause conflict and they lead to more and more and more sin. And so here we are thousands of years later and 
our relationships are completely distorted from what God intended us to have. Instead of wanting relationships, we need those relationships. We need them to exist. And that's what causes us to enter into relationships that are destructive for us. We go into romantic relationships where things are physically or mentally or spiritually abusive because we need that. We feel like we need that. But that's not what God intended for us. We long to belong because we're a reflection of God's interconnection. Now at this point, you're probably saying, okay, all right, say I get that, Chris. Say I understand that. What does that have to do with the church? I mean, why are we talking about this? What does that have to do with the church? Well, the reason we're talking about the church is because the church is the place where this is where God kind of created an opportunity for us to come back into the kinds of relationships that he originally intended for us. That's what the church is supposed to be. Do we get that right? No. We're humans and we still sin and we still mess up and so we still, we still don't get it right. But the intention there is that we would be part of the church to have those kinds of relationships that God intended. To be able to feel like that we can love each other and take care of each other and support each other. And you're maybe at this point you're like, uh, I don't know, I, I, just, I just don't see it. But think about the relationships in your life. Let's take the, the, the church out of the picture for just a minute. And let's just talk about the relationships that are already in your lives, okay? Most likely, those relationships come from one of two places. Now, not everything's the same, but one of two places. Generally, they come from work, okay? So probably a good portion of the relationships that you have in your life right now are related to your work or to your family. Those are kind of the, you know, as adults, those are the two big things for us, work and family. That's where our relationships, you know, where most of our relationships exist. But a lot of those relationships, we kind of entered into them just because when we went to work at whatever place, we began to build relationships with the people that sit around us, the people that we work with, maybe the people we talk on the phone, all of those things. We build those relationships, but it wasn't really that you intended to do that. It's just you were doing your job. And as part of your job, you build these relationships. Or in family, same thing. You weren't, it's not that you really intended to set out to have whatever relationships that you have in your family. That's, you were born into that. You don't have a lot of control over that. So in most of our lives, we don't have those, a lot of those intentional relationships where we set out to enter into this relationship because our intent was to build the kind of relationship that God intended for us. And so, at this point, we bring the church back in. That's what the church is there for, is to have those opportunities to build those relationships. Now, at this point, you're probably saying, okay, I get it, Chris, um, but I come to Rich Point Church, and I get here at 1030, 
And, you know, I, I listen, I like the music. Maybe I get here at 10.35, um, and, you know, it's kind of already started. And then I leave at 11.35 when JJ says, hey, see you guys next week. So I don't really get to build relationships. I sit there and I listen, but I don't get to build relationships, the kind of relationships that you're talking about. And that is true. That's very true. In fact, I would say that because this isn't, that's not the intent of this. Okay? The intent of this setting is for us to get up, open up scripture, and teach truth to you. It's not a lot of opportunity for interaction, a lot of opportunity to build relationships. Now, we try to do things, you know, put the coffee bar back there so you can get a cup of coffee and maybe talk to somebody you don't know. Or, you know, we, we do other things, but that's not the intent of this setting. We have a setting for that, and it's called our groups. Our groups that meet throughout, you know, throughout the week, in homes, together, you know, and those are our intent there is to build the kinds of relationships that God intended, to love on each other, to take care of each other. When things have completely fallen apart in our life, we've lost a loved one or we whatever, those people in that group come together and they put their arms around us and they support us and they love us and they take care of us when we may not have those other relationships in our lives that would do that for us. Now we do that, again, there's other settings where you can build those relationships. I mean, you can go serve and, you know, build a relationship that way. But that's the purpose of that. You know, sure, we open our Bibles and we read scripture there together and we talk about truth there. But the point of it is to build those relationships so that we can take care of each other, so that we can have those intentional relationships that God intended us to have, that will let us build the kind of relationship with God that he intended for us to have. So we long to belong because we're a reflection of God's interconnection. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to sign up for groups, and, and that's fine. That's not really my complete intent here today. My intent is for us to understand how God created us and how, what that has to do with the relationships that are in our lives. Sure, you can go build intentional relationships outside of the setting of this church. You can go and build intentional um, relationships within the setting of this church without groups. That's fine. But I'm saying if you're looking for that and you don't know of any other way to do it, this is a way that you can. Now, as I was kind of preparing for this, I knew, you know, a while ago that I was going to be talking about this. And around Christmas time, I was just kind of reminded of, you know, what that sense of belonging really means and what it means to have, you know, the kind of relationships that we need in our lives. Um, as I mentioned, our two boys are adopted. And um, the oldest one, he's going to be five in just a couple weeks. And when he was taken out of the home that he, you know, was born into, he was 18 months old. And from the time that he was 18 months old until the time he was three, he lived in 20 different homes. And 
there were many nights that they didn't have a place for him, so he went home with the social worker. So when he moved into our home, this was the first real stable place that he knew. And over Christmas, on Christmas Day, um, this was the first time that we, we had them with us in Christmas last year, but we had a lot of family with us at that time. But this was our first Christmas together as just the four of us. And so my wife and I kind of planned out how we were going to do things. And, you know, we, we decided we we're going to open some presents and then we we're going to sit down and eat breakfast together. And then we'll come back and we'll finish opening presents. But at the time we said, you know, there's one present that we want them to open at breakfast. In fact, uh, I brought it along with me. It's a couple of pictures. Both boys open these two pictures as presents. One of them is a picture of the two of them together, okay? So you can see why they like looking in the mirror because they're good-looking boys, okay? And then here's the picture of the four of us. And we wanted them to have these, and, you know, we got frames for them. And so they sat down at breakfast, and before breakfast, they began to open this. And so both boys opened them. And the little one, he was excited, you know, there's mommy and daddy, and, you know, getting to say those words. But the four-year-old's response blew my mind because he opened it and he took these pictures and he hugged them to himself and he said I just love this I love this and ran upstairs ran upstairs to put them on the headboard of his bed and that's where they sit in fact these aren't his because I would have had a lot of explaining to do if I had taken them <clears throat> but he, now they sit up there on that headboard and he was so excited because it's a representation of the relationships, the kinds of relationships that God intends for us to have. He knew that he longed to belong somewhere, and now he's found a place, and he wants to be reminded of it all the time. And so every once in a while, we have these monitors, every once in a while you see him up there and he's kind of rearranging them, you know, or one of them falls over, because it's a reminder to him that he has the kinds of relationships that God intended us to have. Do we get it all right? No, no, we don't. But we long to belong because we're a reflection of God's interconnection. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, God, the opportunity to, to be here today and open your word and to to look at a passage that we wouldn't normally think of in, in talking about the church and the role of the church and, and what that means. And, but yet here we are, and we open this passage and we look at, God, how you created us, how you created us in your image, how you created us to have relationships because you exist in relationship, because you desire to have a relationship with us. And so here we are, we are in all our various relationships that we have. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them where we struggle day to day with them, but then others where we're so grateful for them, so grateful for them because they remind us of you. They remind us of the kind of relationship that we need with you. God, I pray today, help us as we leave here from today 
to be reminded of those relationships, the ones we need to end because they're not good, the ones that are like the kinds of relationships that you want and that we need to intentionally build into our lives. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. If you go ahead and grab your connection card, um, I do want to give you the opportunity to, if, if you're not already part of one of our groups, uh, the opportunity to sign up for it. Basically, this is all you really need to do. If you fill out the front of it, okay, you don't, I don't really need your address, but if you put this city down, that's fine. That's kind of the main thing. But email and phone number, put that on. Make sure your name is there. And then on the back, if you will write down, just you can check. There's a place there where it says RPC Groups, want more info. Check that, and I'm going to call you this week, and we're going to talk about the logistics of what it looks like for you to be a part of one of our groups. Now, if you want to give me a little bit more info, you can do that. Like maybe you need some help with babysitters. That's fine. You can jot that down. Maybe there's a night in the week that you know you can't be there uh, or that you can't do a group. You can write that down. Or maybe there's certain nights that work good for you. You can put that down. But put that down. And I'll give you a call this week and we'll talk about what that looks like for you, okay? And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't want to sign up for a group, that's fine. But go find and build those intentional relationships. Those intentional relationships, those relationships that God intended for us to have. The last thing is this. um, JJ mentioned this last week, but we want to encourage you to kind of continue to pray about this. At the end of this series, at the end of Bought In, kind of the reason for calling it Bought In is that at the end we're going to ask you as people who attend RPC, if you want to, the opportunity to kind of make a commitment. And we're going to, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to talk about kind of our individual roles in the church and what that looks like and what that means. But then on the last week, which is February 2nd, we're going to ask you, if you want to, to make a commitment kind of to the church and what that means for you. And all we're encouraging you to do right now is this. Be praying about that, what that means for you, what that means, you know, what this means, what this church means to you, and kind of what your role is in all that. Be praying about that, and we'll explain that a little bit more in the coming weeks. So thank you guys for being here. You're dismissed.